Harriet Jones, what is your favourite game? My favourite game is Fallout 3. Originally, I think my first experience of games was being dropped off a crash at a shopping centre by my mum and there was some kind of Sega system and I played Sonic. And I've never played Sonic since, but it was that situation. I was absolutely obsessed. Like like what Sonic game were you playing at that time? Like, I have no idea. It must have been... God knows. Can't even work out how old I would have been. It was oh. early. Ah, like, it's all 2D and... 2D must all surely run the Sega Mega Drive time, so anywhere between Sonic 1 and 3, somewhere within that ballpark anyways. Um, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, further down the line, like, what was the first time games like became part of home, home life, let's say? If you well, my know. first console, I did particularly well in my exams to get into secondary school or high school, and I was rewarded with a PlayStation. And I saved up for God knows how long and bought Final Fantasy VIII, and I was absolutely in love. So so further down the line, after the PlayStation 1, like, like what, what was your kind of gaming life like then, uh, um, post-PlayStation 1? It was fairly limited. I mean, I've, I've done consoles out of sort of chronological order. Mm. So I remember doing my, my GCSEs and after exams, we'd all come back to mine and play on the N64 and play Goldeneye. Like. And then around the same sort of time, um, a friend of mine had a GameCube and introduced me to Eternal Darkness. Ah. And I loved it so much, I went out and bought my own GameCube and it's the only game I have. Ah, so, so, so um... That was the only game you got for your GameCube. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, I can I can honestly attach uh, attest that with my DS and Nintendo. So, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, like what was that uh, like for you then? The the GameCube era. It was more. Well, I mean, I limited myself because I, I had other consoles, and frankly, funding my Final Fantasy obsession took most of it. But Eternal Darkness, it was. I don't know. It was around the same time I was playing a lot of Silent Hill and it was different and it was historical. And that is the main thing that follows me throughout gaming is I'm a massive history nerd and I love alternate history. Ah. And so something like Eternal Darkness that completely messes with pockets of history was really interesting. Especially when it's a game that very much breaks the fourth wall every so often as well. Yeah. Like, 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 how did you find that, that element? Especially considering, like, there's games that have really done it very well. Like, for me, Metal Gear sticks out in mind, but Eternal Darkness is certainly another game that does it very well. Uh, how do you mean? Like, I know that there was 
glitches in that game that made you think like the GameCube was crashing or something. I, I'm, I'm, I can't. Oh yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. The uh, sanity effects. Yes. I found them amazing, frankly. Um, this is back when I still had one of the the big uh, CRT TVs. Ah. So things like the mute function coming up, and I was like, oh no, the TV's broken, and it really wasn't. Or a fly would go across the screen, or you'd walk into a room and your head would fall off, or you'd start sinking into the ground. It was it was very different. I can only imagine, especially playing something like Eternal Darkness. Um, but like you, you mentioned as well, you were playing a lot of Silent Hill back then, and like I would say around that time would be two or three, right? Oh uh, yeah, I got completely sucked into uh, two, and then very quickly fell in with three as well, and four, but not to the same sort of extent. Um, I, I take it from those kind of experiences that you were very much a uh, big horror aficionado, so to speak. Um, sort of. It's weird, because I'm not very good with um, anything scary. I jump at everything. I will jump in films where nothing is happening, and there'll just be a loud noise. And I don't know, it was, the, it was because Silent Hill wasn't just scary it was playing with your mind and the character's mind so other people would be like oh they look like monsters to you because it isn't what's actually happening it's it appears at least that it's all in the mind of the character is there anything horror related so to speak that you've played recently that kind of stuck out for you i think for most people would be pt but i don't know if you have a ps4 at all no i don't which is a huge annoyance in my life because there's so many things I want to play. I haven't really played anything horror in a long, long time. It's mostly because I think as much as I I enjoy watching other people play horror games because they're in control and they can push forward. But for myself, the games are getting almost too close to comfort. So I'm more more happy sort of experience them in a film sort of way no no fair enough no i get that um so so after that kind of gamecube period like it's safe to say like xbox 360 playstation 3 and all we like kind of came after yeah um when i i went to university and i got a job working at a uh, sort of buy and resell kind of place that did electronics and games and that kind of thing and with my first paycheck, I was like, okay, finally, I'm going to get an Xbox 360. So I'd missed out the original Xbox. And um, it was literally, because everything was there, everything that had been traded in, and it was amazing, because I had so much to choose from. But it's that's quite literally how I ended up playing Fallout, or Fallout 3, rather, because I asked my colleagues, like, what do I need to play? And they just made me play it. Well, we'll, we'll come back to Fallout 3 in a minute, but... Like, was there any other games that kind of jumped out for you at that time, or was it just Fallout 3? It was things like Bioshock, and it's, it's again, it's like the alternate history, kind of psychedelic, psychological horror, and it, but it wasn't too scary. It was just scary enough. How, how did you first uh, start out in the industry side of things? Uh, well, that was... Basically, I was in between jobs, and I was getting frustrated, and I... I this is not something I tend to advertise very much anymore, but I used to do a lot of art, and someone approached me and asked me if I could do some art for a game they were developing. I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, unfortunately, because of various reasons, it's never been released. But uh, because of that, I had the work out there, and uh, I eventually got 
on to I got asked to sort of do some work on a visual novel and again that's sort of gone nowhere but through that I was put in contact with Molly Carroll at Chucklefish and they needed someone to sort of help out with the office and do community work and that kind of thing and somehow I got the job and since I've been there it's evolved into so much more it's been fantastic. Let's get into your favourite game, Fallout Three. <laughs> so, um, like before Fallout Three, like, did you have like any Fallout or Bethesda experience, like before Fallout Three? No, I think um, if I remember correctly, at the time Bethesda was completely unknown to me. I mean, back then I, I wasn't. I just played games. I wasn't super into what studios were doing them, and I didn't know who was good and who was bad. But when I got Fallout Three, it was completely new. Okay, so so Fallout Three was more or less your first. It was a clean slate. It was your first experience with Fallout and with a Bethesda game, basically. Yeah, I think so. Uh, after like we'll we'll jump into Fallout proper, but uh, or Fallout Three proper in a second. But like uh, after playing Fallout Three, um, like did you go and back? Did you go and play other Fallout games in the series? Like obviously you've you've met like you're a big fan of um, New Vegas as well. And yes, we'll, I've been playing it a lot. <laughs> we'll, we'll touch upon New Vegas later on, but like, did you go back and play after Fallout Three the older Fallout games, or was it just like, I, like I don't need anything else? Fallout Three and New Vegas will do me fine. I tried. I really tried. I really wanted to because I've I'm the kind of person who I read entirely too much, book wise, hmm. and so if I go and look something up on a wiki particularly with the Fallout wiki, and I've been doing it all this morning. I'll click on something, and that will turn into, like, three things. Before I know it, I've read most of the wiki. And I've read so much about the previous games that I just had to play them. But it's it's kind of the, the clunky, and I had this problem with Final Fantasy VII. I couldn't get my head past the graphics. And it was just, it didn't seem a good use of my time, considering the amount of games coming out now that I don't play. Uh, no, I have that same issue with Final Fantasy VII, and I had that issue as well with um, the original Metal Gear Solid, which is f- uh, kind of weird to say, considering Metal Gear Solid is one of my favourite series, but I started out playing with MGS2, and I never fully played MGS1 until six years ago, and this is going to be a story you'll hear a lot more from me throughout the season, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. So I'll, I'll leave that for, for another day then, for another episode. But um, you start up Fallout 3, you get the whole war, war, war never ends spiel from Ron Perlman. Um, like, what was that like for you, like, just seeing that for the first time? Like, as as you're getting introduced into the world of Fallout and the whole, fo- no pun intended, Fallout from the whole nuclear war all happening? It was kind of fantastic, because how it starts you you're a baby and you think everything's great you live in a vault but that's it and obviously there's butch and he's being a bit of a dick and you kind of deal with teenage drama and you take your tests and then your dad goes 
And I love ne- Liam Neeson, so that was just an extra amazing element for me. <laughs> so I was like, no, I must follow Dad. He's amazing. And when you first step out and everything is decimated, but there's still life, it was I, I couldn't quite wrap my head around it. I'm like going to Megaton, and there's people who've made their lives despite everything that's happened. And they all had their own stories and intricacies. It just completely sucked me in. Talk of your experience of creating your your brand new character because like like how, how did you um how did how did your character come out basically if you can remember first time analyst i approach i well i take the same sort of approach with any time i can create a character because i do the same in dragon age and i will try and model them as much on myself as possible because it's a rare rare time when i can do something like that so i'll make the most of it so the moment i can i'll find some glasses because i wear glasses and I'll make their stats so they won't be particularly strong or fast, but they can talk the way out of a situation quite easily. Ah, so basically a talkative character or yeah. that resembles you. Okay, well, that's that's more or less me with, well, most games. Uh, there's certain games that I won't create myself on, like Mass Effect. That will always be femship for me. Otherwise, I'll try and create... Uh, as much as I can around me, but for games like Mass Effect, always Femship, always Femship. I did love Mass Effect for the amount of options you had. Yeah, is there, is there anything where I can sort of self-insert into a world? I absolutely love. Like growing up in the vault, like you, like like you said, you were following your dad around, like crawling, like from ADB in that little room from your little um, pen through to the other side of the room, and then. There was your birthday, the what, and you're given your first um, pip boy, and then you have to take the goat with Butch and the tunnel snakes all hanging around outside because hey, tunnel snakes rule. Tunnel snakes do rule. Tunnel snakes rule. We're the tunnel snakes. That's us, and we rule, rule, rule. Tunnel snakes rule. We're the tunnel snakes. That's us, and we rule, rule. Did you did you take your goat test or did you skip it? And if you took it, like, what were your results? I do remember taking it, and um, I can't remember the exact results because this was quite a long time ago that I first played it. Uh-huh. But I remember it was something that I wasn't happy with, uh-huh. and I spoke to the instructor and I was like, "This isn't right." I'm like, "Well, you can retake it, or I think you could pass a speech check or something." And you could sort of alter the role with the results. And ultimately, it didn't really have a huge effect. But it bothered me. I remember that much. Ah. No, I think... Um, so, I've, I've... Up until this past June, for reasons that will become clear in a second, but, like, I've not played a great deal for free. Like, I've played bits and bobs of it, like, in and out over the past... Ooh, how long ago was Folly Free? Out seven years, so... Um, I've played bits and bobs of it over this past seven years, but, like, those are, I would say, three or four hours at a time. Like, never more than that. Like, I've I tried getting in the, in the past, but I don't know. I can't remember what was stopping me, but I think it was more work and the kind of backlog I had at the time. I, like, I, I didn't know if I could really afford myself that kind of luxury to, you know, get into a game like Fallout 3 at that time. So when Fallout 4 was announced in June, just before E3, I went back 
and played a lot of Fallout 3 and to a lesser extent Skyrim. Just to, just to kind of reimmerse myself again with Bethesda's RPGs because like although I've not spent I've not spent a lot of time with Fallout 3 up until like the announcement, I'd played oh somewhere within the region of fifteen to twenty hours of Skyrim and Only fifteen to twenty. <laughs> oh I know, I know. <laughs> It's 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 pitiful uh, uh, for a Bethesda game, I realise, but that is also the most I've actually spent with a Bethesda game. Uh, <laughs> um, but after after the announcement, I just I knew I knew I had to you know, push through, so I played it and played it for up to fifteen odd hours, eleven to fifteen odd hours, which is a lot more than you know, like I said. Um, for the three or four hours since I was playing previously, and um, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, yeah, 15, eleven to fifteen hours, and I was playing all that up through to either the week before or the day of Bethesda's E3 press conference. But I, I think it was the week actually before, and I was so determined to try and at least get the main story done. Anything after that was secondary, and. Uh, I've still yet to finish that main story, to my eternal shame, even though I've put in a lot of hours and did now, a lot more than I did previously. To be fair, it is quite a hefty story. It is, it is. Um, like, yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's the, the reasons you were stating. It's exactly the same reason why I started playing New Vegas. Because ah. I'd bought it in a Steam sale, but I'd never played it, and... A friend of mine from university he was going, come on, play it, it's so good. And I tried several times, I just could not get into it. Because I was like, but it's different, and it's not Fallout 3. And I can't go to Washington and ask around the capital. And as I've been uh, documenting quite frequently on Twitter... I've completely fallen in love. Like I said earlier, we'll, we'll come back to New Vegas proper in a while, but um, like coming back on the Fallout Three, like and, and to more or less start of the game, um, like when you exit Vault One Hundred One, like Liam Neeson's gone missing basically, um, and like op- opening the vault door and ha- having that sun, like having more or less daylight hit your face for the first time, like in your life, like I've it's I've had someone say to me like it's certainly one of the most iconic moments of the last generation and, and I'd certainly agree with that I'd absolutely agree with that it's almost overwhelming that's more or less the word that sums it up um, like I, after that like obviously Megaton's nearby but like what are your first thoughts as as you exit the vault like what are the first thoughts in the player's head What in your head I mean it was essentially oh my god, what the hell do I do? You can literally go anywhere and do anything. And you've got pointers. And I mean, the, the first thing I did was turn on the radio because a thing came up saying, oh, this radio broadcast has been found. I was like, okay, I'll turn it on. And um, mm. before Fallout, as I've said, I'm a massive history nerd. And I love the music of like the 30s, 40s, 50s. And being able to hear that while trudging around trying to survive was kind of surreal but mm. really just fantastic mm, so this, uh, I take it from that you were basically a galaxy news radio nut yes 
Yes, I was. <laughs> um, like when when you do kind of have an idea of what what to do after leaving the vault, like what like like Washington is a, is a very vast world. Like you could go you could go anywhere from that point. Like you could even put Megaton to one side. Although. Like for me, I know it's like playing the first time. Like I, I'd actually find Megaton just by chance. I didn't really know how much of a influence uh, it would have in the story. But like, like when when I first entered Megaton, like it was a really, you know, very. Sh- it was a shanty town. It was. It was a shanty town. Mm. That's that's like a really good introduction to the Fallout world, almost, because people are making do. Obviously, later you find bigger cities and towns, and people have got a more normalised life compared to. Well, they're trying to get back to pre-war existence, but Megaton is literally chaos. But it is it is existing on chaos. That it, it, exactly, it fries on chaos, especially when you have a nuclear warhead in the middle of the town. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't quite deal with that. I was like, why are these people absolutely insane and worshipping a a nuclear warhead. It, was... it made well, it made no sense. And then I I eventually realised that there are several things that make zero sense. Does anything because make, yeah, just like people any, just go mad. Does anything make sense in Fallout? No. Exactly. <laughs> not even the vaults make any sense. <laughs> no, not at all. And then going into the bar with Moriarty, and like the first impression he gives is just what a dickhead like what yes. a cocky dickhead <laughs> i always go with instincts in games like like fallout and mass effect and skyrim and anything like that where you interact with people and my gut instinct was get the hell away this guy's bad news and i did everything on my way to sort of gracefully exit the conversation not commit to anything but not get myself killed i've just completely remembered a really amazing story um from from when i played folly free this past summer um and and it's in megaton and it's actually in moriarty's bar um so uh, i can't remember the name of the guy who approaches you to blow up megaton like like what's his name again remind me oh um ten penny that's a ten penny um and he's sitting in the bar and uh, like he, he gives you the choice of blowing up um, Megaton, and like you're obviously sitting there, just like pondering like what to do, like whether to blow it up, whether or not to blow it up. And there's the mayor of um, Megaton, like just like I've I've warned him that this guy's here to say, hey, I've just been offered by this guy to blow up Megaton with the nuclear warhead. Um, I think you should go and arrest him. Like, yeah, okay, I'm on that. So, I go into the bar. The da 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 da. da. Oh God, what happened? So you go into the bar. Mayor um conf- confronts um Tenpenny and like depending on the circumstances, he gets you to follow him. I think. Um, and then something amazing happened, and I, and I don't think that was actually part of the story. Or maybe it was, but like the way it acted out, it certainly didn't seem like it was part of the story. But just as the mayor is walking out behind, or uh, sorry, just as the mayor is walking out with Tenpenny behind him, Tenpenny pulls out a gun and just kills the mayor 
I I can't, I can't remember if if it was just if that was already part of the story if that was going to happen anyways, but it was I was I was amazed um, just at that happening. Obviously, all, all you know, all hell breaks loose and you have to kill him right then and there. Um, but just that happening just caught me out and like I think I think the underlying tone of that is that expect everything in Fallout 3, including all the surprises, essentially. But, anyways, um, the all-important question, did you blow up Megaton? No. I go out of my way to help people in these games. I don't know why, because it's, it's not particularly something I do personally. <laughs> it's just I feel like people have, people have worked hard to survive, and I should help that. Like- I've always felt incredibly bad if I go around and be a dick to everyone. But was there not any temptation at all? Because, like, after all, it's a big nuclear warhead, red button, all out there. <laughs> because, hey, red buttons are tempting. They are the ultimate temptation. I did do another playthrough where I did burn up. Ah, okay. I kind of had to. It was, it, was, it was curiosity. It had to be done. But for my proper playthrough... I didn't. Ah, uh, curiosity kills the goal, basically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, after Megaton, like regardless of whether you blow it up or not, like you go forth into the world exploring, looking for your dad, essentially. Like, um, like how how was like exploring the kind of Washington wasteland for for you? Like that vast open world, like. Was there anything that stuck out for you? There's a few things. Um, I love exploring maps and unlocking things. I have no idea why, because it's, it's something I've always done, in, even in like um, Star Ocean games. But it's like coming across a little town and finding out they're all cannibals. And finding, I don't know, you go through various houses and there's two skeletons but they're holding hands and that's their final moments or there's a radio show with um one of the characters is a ghoul named argyle i think i think it's argyle i I think for me like when it comes to you know exploring dc like i think that what sticks out for me is that the monument has more or less become a brotherhood of steel like landmark, like, you see all these kind of famous DC landmarks like, pestered throughout the city. Like, 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 like I said, the monument um, with becoming a Brotherhood of Steel kind of hanging out. But, for me, like, I think Fallout 3, I don't, obviously Fallout 3 is not meant to be a horror game as such. Like, it's a very tense game, if anything, but like, I think for me, like, the times I was very not very scared, but most scared playing that game was going through the subway tunnels because it was so yeah. it was so dark and at times very claustrophobic as well. And like I I just wanted to be out of there as fast as I could. And if there was a way around to get to somewhere which didn't involve me using subway tunnels, I would take it in any way possible. Like. I don't. I don't know what that was like for you. Like I. I would assume that uh, you. You would have to have taken 
subway tunnels once or twice, you know, through the Yeah, game. there's a few, if I remember, there's a few places you can only get to by subway tunnels. Mm. And it was, I had a problem with my own curiosity mm. and wanting to explore because of this. Mm. And I would just, I'd sort of go, oh, what the hell, I'm going through the tunnels. And I'd come out into, uh, it was like a subway station, and there's a huge super mutant battle going on. Uh, and I immediately got blown up. I know. I think is this was this like a random generator event, or is this the mutant fight outside Galaxy News Radio or nearby Galaxy News Radio? I think it's fairly new, ah. fairly near uh, Galaxy News Radio, because I think that was the quest. Is you had to go there and talk to Three Dog and find out what happened to your dad. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I'll just go there straight away, and it was just not the right idea. Ah. Ah. I mean, I remember going up to Lions in the middle of that fight saying, hey, if you want to help, fight. If not, then stay the hell out of our way, basically. Um, that was a very tough fight, initially at first. Yes, I can't remember how I handled it. But, I mean, it went wrong several times, I remember. Yes. Yeah, With a lot of decapitation and losing limbs. and I, was... I think I resorted to blowing everything up. <laughs> yeah, I was more or less the same. Like I tried, you know, bringing out the 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 mini nuke. Um, oh, the fat man. Oh, the fat man. Yes, that's right. And uh, and every time, like the super mutant got like two within one, maybe two, three feet away from me, I would, you know, shoot the fat man, and I would just die in the most gruesome and goriest way in the most spectacular <laughs> like airborne death ever at the same time because of the amount of recoil the fat man provides and and the explosion as well just oh i, I it's a ama- it's an amazing sight um like like we mentioned you mentioned free dog i mentioned uh, lions as well like there's some really fascinating and interesting characters in Fallout 3. Like, I met, like we've, we've talked Lions, we've talked Free Dog, and like the character's dad. Like, but like, what other characters stood out for you? I'm trying to think, there's, the trouble is, is there's almost too many. Ah. One of my favourites, because she's just ridiculous, is Moira Brown in Megaton. Yeah. Because she's ridiculously chipper. Like, even like if you um, if you blow up Megaton. She survives as a ghoul, and she's still the happiest person around. She doesn't care that you destroyed her home. She's like, okay, carry on. Let's help each other. Blimey, she she's not um, she's not a ghoul when you start out. She's just like a full on human, and then when you blow yeah. Megaton, she she becomes a ghoul. Oh. Yes. Ah, that's I've I've never really kind of I've never gone back to Megaton after I've blown it up. I really need to see how that would pan out. Oh, well, on an alternate save file, I was because I don't mm. want to fuck up the file I have now, just in case I do go back to that before Fallout Four. But but I digress. Um, like, is there any others that kind of stand out for you in terms of characters and in, in the game, Alice? Um, the kids in um, I think the place is called Little Lamplight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember them. They're so irritating. Oh God, they are. Because they're like, okay, you need to do this, but we still won't let you through to the vault. And, oh, you need to do this, and you have to go rescue someone from some slavers. Like, 
I'm doing errands for children, but some of them are kind of nice. There's a there's a few key characters who've got the positions of power and they're annoying. But then you'll be walking around and a little girl will just start talking to you. Mm. It's like, okay, this is really surreal that even kids are somehow getting by on their own because there's no adults because they kick adults out and they've got their own society. And it's almost bizarre. It's almost bizarre, yeah, but like it works a lot better than, you know, any adult run like civilization in that oh, world. Oh yeah, it works really effectively. <laughs> effectively the most in that world, I know, which is very surprising considering again, they are kids. So that 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 is very like an interesting experience, especially one to consider um yeah, really interesting that. Um, another uh, one other thing like involves kids, although perhaps in the most creepiest way possible, is the stuff that's in relation to Vault One Twelve. Oh, Tranquility Lane. Tranquility Lane. Yeah, yes. That is just straight up creepy. Yes. Uh, the main guy, Doctor Brown, I think, or Brown. Yeah. He was going to be another of my memorable characters because he's absolutely mad. He's he was incredibly smart, so Voltec gave him his own vault to uh, do experiments in, and he got bored with the simulations, so he created uh, more situations, killed everyone, wiped their memories, started again. And that's how you end up in Tranquility Lane. When I when I went in the Tranquility Lane, like okay. Like, I know this simulation, but hey, it actually isn't too bad. But it's only when you go about looking, asking for where your dad is, because he's obviously somewhere in there, or, you know, some, something to that extent. I was, um, like, he, when you go around asking where your dad is, and then you come up to this little girl, and she, she speaks normally like a little girl, like, she's very high pitched, but, like, speaks like a little girl and then just suddenly changes to you know a full grown adult male voice and I'm like what the fuck that, that weirded me out so much oh god it, like I was like what the fuck it like it, it weirded you out it just completely caught me by oh just thinking about it now just oh <laughs> just it, it gives me creep yeah it gives me the creeps just thinking about it i think i was i was really enjoying the simulation up until then because it was like oh this is what pre-war was like Mm. and everyone's quite pleasant and then she's she was a bit creepy anyway Mm. and then like you said when she switches to uh her her man voice it's just a whole new level of creepy i think that was the first time like i was genuinely like not full-blown terrified but like fully creeped out by something so creepy since I think I think if say Metal Gear Solid 2 with everything that happens towards the end of that game um, but like Tranquility Lane and that little girl oh my god that's like the one thing that sticks out for me when it's almost like that's the moment when you realise something is actually wrong yes exactly like as if something is not what it should be for, for Tranquility Lane like and the end game is, like, you can either 
start the war with the Chinese or oh god what was the other option you could do a tranquility line or to bring bring that to an end like it was just kill there's um there's a head of you can kill everyone Mm. um you can get the Chinese to invade and there's I think that's the fail safe option so you can trigger that the thing is if if you personally go around with the little slasher mask Mm. and kill everyone um the doctor guy he can wipe everything and restart Mm. So actually, you're not helping anyone. You can still get out of there, and you can still get your dad, out, your dad out, and carry on. But you still left everyone. Or there's a failsafe, and there's a there's a woman called Old Lady Dithers, and she's the only one who's aware in the simulation of the people he's put in, and everyone thinks she's a little bit crazy. Mm. And she goes, "Oh, if you look properly, look in this house." There's a way to stop this. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go investigate. And you have to click on objects in a certain pattern that mimics the music that's being played. And it brings out a panel. And that's where you can get the fail safe, kill everyone there apart from you and your dad. But the doctor, he has his own set of fail safes. So he will be there on his own forever. And I was like, that's fitting. That will do. I feel okay again. Like I think for me, I think I got the Chinese just to come on, so I think that was the failsafe, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I did. I got the Chinese and um Um like as well as Tranquility Lane, like and and earlier in the game with Megaton, like what were the standout quests in that game for you that kinda of stood out? I think it's the ones when you're in uh, DC, like there's a the Lincoln Memorial has been taken over, and I can't remember if it's slavers or just another group. But you have to sort of blag your way in, and you can steal a couple of things that are relevant to another quest. But I was treating DC almost like a sightseeing store uh, tour because I'd never been. I was like, okay, Lincoln Memorial, I'll go see that. And I wanted to just stroll on up, and they wouldn't let me. I was like, well, what do I do? I need to get in good with these guys, and then I can actually go look at things. But I don't think that actually worked. I ended up having to kill all of them, and then I could go look at Lincoln. How how did you find, like, you try, You said yourself you tried to get into the older games, like, but those were more strategy-driven. But this is obviously, you know... Bethesda and the template they've brought on from Oblivion. So, like, how how did you find that kind of first third person exploration in the game? Added on top of that with um, Vats. Funny uh, thing about Vats, I spent a huge, huge, way more than I care to admit amount of time in that game without realizing Vats was a thing. Oh. I had no idea. And when I found out, I was kicking myself because it made things so much more simple. And I was trying to survive these situations I could have easily survived if I'd used bats. It's, it's almost like a, it's one of those things I tend to... I get a bit frustrated sometimes with tutorials in games and I skip past them a bit. And uh. I think that was part... That's a section I skipped. Ah. Uh, no, no, uh, I totally get what you mean by tutorials. Like... <laughs> I just want to get on with it, so to speak. Yeah. But with a game like Fallout, you, like like certainly for like for me and or for any RPG that you have to really invest yourself in, like you kind of have to. Uh, yeah, it's the... definitely worth doing. 
Yeah. It's just, you have to realise it. <laughs> exactly, that's it. Um, after you fin- like, after you finish the game, like, when you end Folly Free, like, with the end and all, because, like, even though I've not finished, I do know what happened, so, um, who did you send in the kind of, um, the kind of end the game with, like, you had the choice of either you or Lions at the end of the game yeah. to send in. Uh, I went in myself. Ah, you're uh, a more of a pacifist player, so that's right. Um, you're more of a help out, so yeah, uh, I, I, uh, I could see. It that. seemed like a fitting end. When you, when you mentioned what you mentioned earlier, that certainly seems like it. Um, after the like, did you play the game before or after Broken Steel? Because like before Broken Steel, the game just ended there. Whereas after, you could keep on playing. Yeah, when I so. I picked up in 2009, so I think I got, like, the Ultimate Edition or whatever it was called. I had all the DLC available to me. So you would have been playing it uh, after Broken Steel Animals. Yeah. Uh, touch on the DLC, like, what, in terms of the DLC, like, stood out for you? Like, what, what, what DLC was, like, the best? Like, there was, for me, I think I have Broken Steel and... Mothership Zeta, although there's also um, Operation Anchorage and another one I can't. I can't remember what the last one. Zeta was the last one. Then there was broken. There was also Broken Steel and an Operation Anchorage, but I can't quite remember what the last one was. Ah, there were five DLCs: Operation Anchorage, the Pit, Broken Steel, Point Lookout, and Mothership Zeta. What what DLC stood out for you in terms of that? I I absolutely loved Operation Anchorage. It reminded me of. It. Felt like being in a in, F, in an FPS because it was all military based. Even though it was still distinctly Fallout, it was like playing. I don't know. I played a lot of Call of Duty around then as well, so it was quite familiar to me. What about the pet then? What did you think of the pet? I'm trying to remember. Oh, the pet was. Um, yes, I remember the pet. I quite enjoyed it, but it was all. It was almost dark on a whole new level because well, yeah. there was so much going on. It was almost quite removed from Fallout. Broken Steel itself, then. Uh, I'm trying to remember Broken Steel. I don't know. I do remember playing it. Uh, I don't remember Broken Steel very well, so it obviously didn't make that much of an impression on me. Ah, f- fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, point Lookout. I loved Point Lookout. I don't know why. It was all. It was kind of um, it's like being in Scooby Doo. Ah. It felt like. Like, like, in what way did it feel like Scooby-Doo? Well, it was, there was obviously a threatening element, but it didn't, it was almost cartoony. So there was the crazy guy in the house and people were trying to steal his stuff and you can help him. And I think there was, like, um, an abandoned, like, tourist attraction. And there was people still there selling things. And it, it just felt a bit um, kitsch, almost. It's weird you put it that way now when you say it's more Scooby-Doo-esque because... I keep thinking the villain of that uh, DLC would be going, and I wouldn't have got away with it too if it were for you, Vault Dweller. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously there's some really crazy dark elements in it, so, like, when you go out into the boggy area and everything is all kinds of wrong. But Mm. up until then, it felt very almost cheesy. (laughs) But I loved that about it. And finally, uh, Mothership Zero. This is another one. I don't remember it that well, but I do remember enjoying it when I played it Fair because enough. it was kind of amazing. I mean, it's like you start Fallout and everything is destroyed and suddenly, I don't know, you're in space and looking down and everything's shiny and new and working. It was just almost 
like uh, a parallel. I've I've yet to play actually any of the DLC now that I've thought about it. But it is fun. It is like I've heard definitely it's fun. I should really play at least Broken Steel when it goes when I do actually finish the game at some point, hopefully before Fallout Four. Um, <laughs> um so what else do you like about Fallout Three that we've not touched upon yet? We've I think we've covered like most of the uh the elements. Mm-hmm. There's too much. There's there's to be honest, this is the one thing I really love about Fallout. There's too much to mention in any one sitting. Because every single time you'll go, oh, I should have mentioned this. Or this one weird place I found that's not marked. There's just so much to find. You don't have to be directed. You can just wander around and find things. Yeah, I mean, like, you can just completely wander yourself around DC for hours and hours and hours on end. And it's... It's immense, like, how much you can do without even, you know, touching the story for hours and hours and hours on end, just exploring that world. I think my favourite... I don't know if it's because you start in a vault, Mm. but I'm always drawn back to vaults. I don't know why, I'm just so curious to see what other vaults were doing, and it's really a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I had that curiosity myself as well, like, for about, like, obviously there's... Um, obviously there's Vault 112 uh, Tranquility Lane but like it's Vault 101 that really stands out when you, when you go back to that and yeah and there's been the rebellion and you're called back because um, the overseer's basically lost it so. yeah he's lost it and his daughter's taken over or has started a, a rebellion and she calls you back and she wants you to help and you can help or you can hinder. I, I would assume you would have helped out, right? Obviously. Uh, <laughs> um, that was a very interesting... That was perhaps my favourite quest in the game, actually, going back. But then again, I'm, I'm more of a sentimental person now, so maybe that was kind of why. What didn't you like about it? I think really the main annoyance I had with it is not anything to do with the game itself well, apart from like a few bugs of quests that I could get around that it's um, the dead eyed look of everyone you talk to Yeah, and that's a purely graphical thing but I can, I can get past it because I have done with other games it's just I know it's the limitations of the time it was made and obviously I'm very excited for Fallout 4 because hopefully it will meet my expectations a bit more but everyone looked a little bit dead in the eyes and some of the, like, there wasn't enough sort of leeway with what you could say to people. It was quite scripted. I mean, it was very open world and you could do anything you wanted, but some aspects were very scripted. Mm, yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. Like, it was just like, I think the look in their eyes just uh, really hindered what was, uh, it was a big, no, not a big hindrance, but like, it ruined the illusion, so to speak, within that world. Yeah. Like, like, almost everything was fine until you spoke to people. I'm trying to think of what I didn't like about Fallout 4, or Fallout 3 even. Oh, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I think, as well, there's such a difficulty spike as well in that game. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's something you encountered, but, like, it can go up and down like a yo-yo for me. And, but maybe that's to do with the whole, like, 
there's not a great deal of resources within that world anyways. And I'm not the best of um, players when it comes to, you know, keeping stuff, let's say. Because, oh. like, I'm, I'm very... I can't quite think of the term, but I'm very... Uh, I use a lot of my stuff rather quickly, let's say, or I use yeah. it to the full extent. Like, if there's something like oh, seven shots in one of my rifles, like seven bolts, and there's this mutant, or not so much a super mutant, but more of a mid-level mid mutant, and I, like, I will do everything in my power to try and kill him in case he kills me because like at, at that point I'll probably have some like three quarters of my health gone with only a quarter left and I'll do everything in my power to kind of you know kill him and either and one of his two friends as well so I'm I'm not the best at keeping a lot of the stuff <laughs> I gather in that world and maybe, and maybe that's why there is such a difficulty spike for me maybe so. I don't. I don't personally have that kind of problem, but I do tend to hoard, um, which gets annoying. Obviously, when I go over my uh, inventory limit, I never, in that sort of situation. So, if there's like you said, a couple of super mutants, if I've only got a little bit of health and a few bullets, I will absolutely turn around and peg it in the opposite direction, mm. and then come back later. God. So, I'd rather I couldn't deal with having no defence at all. That, so I'd rather keep those seven bullets. I, I can honestly see what you mean, but at the same time, I'm someone who le likes to try and face them head on, even if that means I'm going to be using a lot of stuff to try and kill them. I think I think that's actually one of another great things of Fallout 3. It adapts to different playstyles, animals. Yeah, you are you're quite free to play house it suits you. Mm. I think that's probably why it's been quite popular. And obviously with the announcement of 4, there was a lot of people excited. So mm. it's definitely made an impression on people. Especially when uh, 4 seems a lot more natural of a shooter now. Because like, we're Fallout 3 with... Fallout 3 is a shooter. Like, it's, 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 it's competent. But like trying to play it as a straight-up shooter just doesn't really feel like a natural FPS whereas no. with, with, with Fallout 4 at least certainly from what we've seen so far it, fe it looks a lot more natural, it looks a lot more fluid. It looks like they've put a lot of work into the combat which I'm excited about. Let, let's touch upon New Vegas then because like I can probably guess you've been desperate to talk about this one as well <laughs> um, like you mentioned how you got into New Vegas but like when when Fallout Four was announced earlier this year, like I bought out from my shed because like in in the shed that's here um, behind my house, like I have a container of games from last generation, and I had to pull out New Vegas and Skyrim out of the the small like box that I have for like small container of games that I have in that shed to bring to bring them into the house to play. Fallout, New Vegas, Skyrim, and Fallout 3 was already on my Xbox 360 through digital copy, so um, I didn't really need to do anything on that front. But whereas I've played Fallout 3 for multiple hours, be it combined, plus the 11 to 15 hour stint I talked about during or before E3, 
to my absolute eternal shame, I bought Fallout, uh, Fallout New Vegas uh, for Christmas a few years ago for 20 quid. Uh, I think it was actually a few months after it came out. Um, and I only ever played, and I'm quite ashamed to say this, only 10 minutes. Yep. And I had the same problem. Yeah, just... <sighs> I, I need to play more of that game. I absolutely have to play more of that game. I think the issue I had is I knew how much I enjoyed 3. And it didn't immediately, um, I don't know, it didn't immediately draw me in. It wasn't so much it didn't immediately draw me in, it was just... I mean, yeah, actually, I think it was just... There was nothing, like, within that 10 minute spell that just grabbed me, so to speak. I can, I can, I can honestly see why now it didn't grab me within that first 10 minutes, but... The way it starts off in that game, it's it's very unfollowed like because like you don't start out in a vault or you're certainly not introduced to a vault like within that starting period. You're a guy who's just been shot and you're found out in the wasteland by a guy who brings you back to his house basically. When Fallout New Vegas came, like when I was um playing Fallout Free like and I was reading a lot of Fallout Free threads and I'm kind of, kind of actually doing something similar now but not Fallout but rather for the Souls games and Bloodborne because I'm getting ready to play Dark Souls 2 again because I've already played a few hours of Dark Souls 2 and I've never played Bloodborne but I'm getting ready to play those again uh, on Xbox One and PS4 um, after I finish up editing this series of my favourite game. But I was reading a lot of Fallout threads um, when I was playing Fallout 3 and around the time of Fallout 4's announcement on NeoGAF. And I fe- and one of the consensus, one of the big overwriting consensus is, was that I saw was Fallout New Vegas was better written than Fallout 3. Like cert- certainly Fallout 3 was a lot better gameplay-wise, at least from what I've seen. It's certainly from what I've played, I don't know, but, like, New Vegas was better written, at least in terms of story. W- would you agree with that? From what I've played so far, because I haven't... I'm not even vaguely finished with it, I think. Like, I get so easily distracted with side quests and adventures. But so far, I would agree that it, ha- it is definitely better written. And once, like, once you get past that first half hour to an hour, you do realise that a lot more thought. I'm not saying that there wasn't enough thought put into Fallout 3 and that world mm. and the script, but even more has been put into New Vegas. With Obsidian, like, obviously it was passed out from Bethesda Game Studios because, you know, Todd Hurd and his team were booting up again uh, development on Skyrim because they actually put what the early plans of Skyrim, the early development of Skyrim on the back burner for Fallout 3. And it was only when Fallout 3 was done that they, you know, went back to Skyrim. But um, what what were the noticeable differences you found with Fallout 3 and New Vegas in terms of how Bethesda Game Studios and Todd Howard's team developed Fallout 3 over how Obsidian developed New Vegas, if any? I think maybe the balance of how things were handled was maybe different. Because the the combat feels very similar, which is fine because I didn't really mind it. But the people seem more fleshed out. There's more life and backstory to them. There's certainly a lot more, at least again from what I've seen, because like I said, I've only put in 10 minutes, but like, there certainly seems a lot more of a fleshed out 
lore to New Vegas than Fallout 3. And I'm not saying there isn't any lore in, in Fallout 3, because of course there is. Like, there's, there's plenty of it in there, and there's certainly times in that game where it's believable. But New Vegas, like, I think one of Obsidian's biggest, like, good points is that it can really do story well. Like, it really knows how to do story and lore very well. But at the same time, though, like, although you could argue, like, Bethesda, like, made a better gameplay, like, sorry, I don't know what I'm saying now. Um, basically, <laughs> essentially, um, while, while Obsidian had the lore and story all nailed down in New Vegas, like, gameplay-wise, at least, at least initially, it was not the best at least at the start, anyways. I think the start, the start for Fallout Three is a lot stronger mm. because it's you're skipping forward in aspects of your life, and then you're making this big dramatic exit into the world and starting a whole new life. Whereas with New Vegas, you have no back. Well, you have a backstory, but you don't know it, mm. and it does allow you to maybe sort of fill in the gaps yourself until they can be filled in for you. But it felt empty and that's what stopped me initially from getting into it i think i really need to play new vegas soon i really need to get back in there because like like i said i've not played a, a lot more than 10 minutes and even then i've not played it since that 10 minute period five years ago i would really recommend it I, I, i've been spamming twitter with screenshots so <laughs> i think i think i think i i think i need to look at your tweets because at least that way it'll give me incentive but at the same time, I really want to play Miyazaki games. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm biding my time until falls out, and then I'll be dead to the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, how have you found Follow Shelter? By the way, I, I just completely dawned on me that Follow Shelter is a thing again. Like, yes, <laughs> I was furious for a very long time because it came out on uh, iOS first. And I'm all on Android. And it was like a couple, like two or three months almost. And I was like, is it out yet? Can I play it? I really want to play it. I need to be doing something Fallout. And then I played it and I like those sort of management kind of games. They're very addictive. And I've played it for a very long time, but it's got to the point now where everything sort of runs itself and I can send people out and they'll be gone for a few days and they'll be fine. Mm. And I've lost interest it's made me very sad because I I'd love as you can tell I love anything Fallout. Uh, but I'm not sure it's something I'd go back to. Ah, no, no, no. Fair enough. I can totally get. It's more. It's a massive time sink. Yes, it's a uh, huge time sink. Mm, like I'm kind of reluctant to ask this because it might seem rude, but how how much have you put in the Fallout uh, shelter? Oh God, too too much time. I started again several times because everything kept going really wrong. Ah. Like everything would be great and then suddenly everyone was dead. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm doing something wrong here. I've probably put in, I don't know, maybe a couple of days worth of hours. Ooh. Well, put it this way, at least they're not Molly. She's putting like so, so, so many hours in the Morrowind. <laughs> it's unspeakable or well you can probably listen to her episode again and see what she said I can't, I can't... Molly Molly's like my uh, she's my my partner with my fandom of Fallout <laughs> everyone else in the office are like 
oh no, it looks terrible. It's just another Fallout. And Molly and I were just like, I'm so happy. <laughs> so with that, um, like, you've only played like two games at length uh, with three in New Vegas, so I won't ask you for your top three Fallout games, but I will ask, <laughs> like, for your top three Bethesda RPG games, like Bethesda Game Studios. So, like, I would say, if I if I had to guess, three at the top, New Vegas second, and then one of the Elder Scrolls games third. Well, the thing is, I'm I'm kind of new to Bethesda almost, ah. which is weird considering the kind of games they make are the kind of games I love, ah. and it's I don't know. I've played Fallout Three and Skyrim and New, and not New Vegas, obviously, but and Fallout Shelter. So mm. that's kind of it. I've, I'm, I'm looking at what else. Oh no, I've played Brink. I liked Brink. Oh, well, 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 we can leave out Brink because that. Um, <laughs> what, what I mean is like the kind there of there are there are RPG games. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it'd only be Fallout Three and Skyrim. I've played by them. Ah, I'm messing up your your system. <laughs> Well, systems are made to be messed with, so it's fine. <laughs> Honourable mentions. Go for it. Oh, so any game that I love, essentially. Um, you mentioned Mass Effect. Let's start there. Oh, Mass Effect and Dragon Age, I'm huge fans of. For very different reasons. Purely for sci-fi immersion and then fantasy immersion. Mm. I love the Assassin's Creed series up to a point. Um, anything, anything related to Ezio and Altair, I'm fine with. Past that, I'm generally not okay with it. No, I mean, like, I think for me, like, Assassin's Creed is basically dead to me now at this point because, like, one was not the best game, but but there was a good foundation like laid there. Two was great. Two was amazing. But after two was amazing. But after that, it was just eh, I didn't really feel Brotherhood. I didn't really feel Revelations. Three was the biggest disappointment ever. Yes. Um. But Black Flag was quite an impressive turnaround, considering I, I said to myself, right, that's it. Like, I know I have all these reasons. Like, one, at least I have one reason or another to be interested in this Assassin's Creed game. I had absolutely nothing for Black Flag, only other than it's a brand new game, or rather it's a launch game for a brand new next-gen Two new next-gen systems, and I and I got my copy the day uh, the PS4 came out. I remember getting it a few hours before I actually got my PS4 from Amazon because I had to go into town to get my copy. And I remember sitting down and playing it and just thinking, you know what? This is actually quite good. This is the best Assassin's Creed game since uh, two. So after four, I I went into Unity with a bit more optimism because like this was going to be the first proper next-gen. Assassin's Creed because uh, 4 was cross-chain. Um, no. Completely disappointment, disappointment <laughs> in every single way. And I've yet to play Rogue because I, I have a copy. I haven't played anything past, past Black Flag. I got into Assassin's Creed for 
wildly different reasons because my my degree part of it was studying the Crusades mm-hmm. and so obviously that Assassin's Creed game is set around that time so I was like okay I can be a history nerd and play games and then the new Assassin's Creed with Ezio came along and my family history is back in Italy and I love the Renaissance so again I was interested in the setting mm. I didn't like 3 at all that, that. Black Flag I was more okay with but I still didn't enjoy it because I can't uh, sail ships in games 3 was the biggest disappointment for me like I was so so excited for that game like li- like probably the most excited I've been for an Assassin's Creed game ever because I was really really hopeful I was incredibly hopeful. Yeah, because like there was the end of Desmond's story. There was a brand new uh, main character because the retired Ezio and Altair now, and there was uh, the American Revolution. Oh my God, the American Revolution! I was so excited that we were finally going to get that because like I remember that being you know one of the most requested settings for an Assassin's Creed game. Along with Japan. I, I was really surprised, actually, because there was a very distinct pattern with the games, and they were jumping forward in history, not back. Mm. They went back a generation after 3 with Black Flag. And I understand why, because Black Flag was a better game. And, I mean, it was the setting. I don't, I, I'm going to anger a lot of people, I'm sure. But I'm not that into American history. It's because it's, it's not, it's a new country. And not a lot has happened. I mean, a lot has happened, but not a lot has happened. And it's almost too modern for my interest. You mentioned as well um, Mass Effect and like and, and Dragon Age. Like, what? And I've had numerous conversations so far recording this season, like about Mass Effect, um, like how much that means, like on on a significant level. And I can certainly attest that because, like, you know, I, I love Mass Effect. Uh, well, who doesn't? But like, I think I've more or less said to people and people and vice versa that characters and the story and the lore of that series is just amazing. But at the same time, I've I've talked at le- I've talked at length about Mass Effect along with other folks. So like, what about what about Dragon Age? What sticks out for you in terms of that series? It's just so damn dramatic there's there's literally an epic scale so with obviously with origins you've got all this uh drama going on with um uh, the king's died and there's got to be a replacement but alistair doesn't want to be king because he's too busy whining about it this is coming from someone who loves alistair and then obviously you've you're having nightmares and you can't ignore the fact you're a grey warden You've got a higher calling, and there's a huge battle, and then you have to make the choice of, do you try and save yourself or save Alistair, because I romanced him, and make a deal with Morrigan? Because Morrigan, she warmed on me very slowly, because she was such a bitch about everything. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of love her for it, but she was a bitch. And so I was like, well, I kind of don't want to help you and give you a crazy demon child, but I also want to be queen mm. so i did it <laughs> temptation and fate yeah and all that so there. really i 
I, I killed a dragon and became queen, so you can't really go wrong with that. What were your feelings after Origins from Dragon Age Two uh, into Dragon Age Two? Because I remember when when, yes. when, <laughs> when I when I played Origins on PS3, it was just like ugh. I can't play this, like, because the console version was just so bad. Like, uh, people, like, whenever I say I want to play Origins again, but I can't play it on PS3, after they, they tell me to play it on PC. Whereas with Dragon Age 2, it felt a lot... I know I know people give a lot of shit to Dragon Age 2, but at the same time, I actually kind of liked what I've played of Dragon Age 2 on, on Xbox it. 360. I liked it. I've, I mean, I played Origins and 2 on a... Uh my Xbox before I sold it and then I've rebought them both on PC mm. and I do enjoy too it's very different I know a lot of people didn't like it and the combat was different and a lot of things changed but I I was fine with that I mean when you go back to Origins it feels very clunky compared to uh, Inquisition and 2 what about um, Inquisition again Inquisition I really liked I really enjoyed it I, I mean I would not stop talking about it for a very long time <laughs> Um, like I, I've, I've, um, I've played little bits of Inquisition. Oh, not little bits. Like I've played actually a decent chunk of time of it. Not, not like you know a significant chunk of time, but like a decent amount of time. And like I would say, it's under ten hours. But like I would say, somewhere within the ballpark of five, seven hours, something like that. There, within that area, and yeah. I've. I'm st- and people kept saying, get out of the Hunderlands, get out of the Hunderlands. I'm still in the Hunderlands. <laughs> um, yeah, I heard a lot of that as well. Um, and, like, I, f- I was playing along, I was actually doing a stream, like, the night I had, st- I stopped playing, because, like, I, um, I'm, and I remember the night I stopped playing, because, like, and I stopped for a reason, because, like, I remember getting through that, uh, intro of the game and it has those kind of spider-like creatures and I'm a really bad arachnophobic and I was like no, yeah. no, 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 make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. I actually had to like literally squeeze my hands like just in, into the palm of my like squeeze my fingernails into the palm of my hand. That's how much I was just desperate looking for the intro to stop. And then like a few hours after that, like um, I, I was doing a quest or something, and then I saw one of those spider creatures just coming around the corner. I was like, "Nope, nope, 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 nope. I'm done. I'm done. Nope, can't can't deal with this. Can't deal with this. Won't won't deal with this. Nope, I'm done. Sorry, That's sorry, fair enough. sorry, sorry, Bioware. I'm done. <laughs> I, sh- I do actually want to go back and play it again, but at the same time, nope, spiders. Yeah, no. Nope. Um, I mean, that's a good thing about um, PCs and mods. So I was, I was like a diehard console gamer, and then I could afford to build a gaming PC. Uh, and you can get mods that turn spiders into bears and that kind of thing. That's right. So there's no spiders. That's right. Skyrim, you could do that. Oh, oh, oh! For my life, to have my computer fixed so I can play proper games on it again. <laughs> and so I can play, so I can have mods on it, so I can have spiders become bears. Everyone loves bears. Top three games ever, what would they be? Obviously, Fallout 3 at the top, like, where oh, would you go from there? Final Fantasy IX has to be up there. I absolutely adore that game. I regularly go back and play it. Um, trying to pick something from Atlas. Oh. Because I really, really, I love the Persona series. 
Mm. And I really also enjoyed Catherine. Ah, Catherine is such a bastard. I love that game, but it's such a bastard and it's difficult. I loved Catherine. I like. I went ahead and completed all the Rapunzel game in it as well. I did every single damn level of that. Ooh. Picking a top three is just the worst thing you can ask a gamer. <laughs> it is the worst. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, Fallout 3, Final Fantasy 9, and then Catherine or Persona... Like, which which Persona game would you throw in there, if any? I would say it's a tough choice because it's very close between Catherine and then Persona 3 and 4, but maybe 3. I loved Persona 3. By the way, for anyone listening, we have 3 coming up next week, so stay tuned for that. So. Oh, that's good. <laughs> good timing, that. Good, good plug as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fallout 4, and like, like we've touched upon, you know, slight, oh well, not slight, but little elements like with, um, like the kind of first person aspect of it, and, and like that's is, you know, seemingly a lot more improved. And in fact, with Fallout 3, like with that's, you had the time to, you know, plan out a strategic move. There was, yeah, you could literally stop and assess. Exactly. Like just... And I think the new system is going to sort of make things maybe not difficult, but more interesting. Yeah, just a bit more tricky because it only just slows. It doesn't completely stop at this time. Yeah. Um, but as well as that, um, Boston. Like, what are your thoughts on exploring Boston? Because, like, DC is DC, but Boston is just seemingly crawling with, like possibility, at least in terms of an open world, anyways. I, back when uh, I finished Fallout 3, I was desperate to learn anything. And there was talk about possible locations for Fallout 4. And Boston came up because it's where one of the major factions is based, I think. I think it's where the Enclave is based. And I know next to nothing about Boston, apart from that's where I'll be. And I almost don't want to learn anything. That's that's a very interesting way to look at it. Like, I've heard of people being on Media Blackout for a game or something like that there. I've never known anybody to be on Vacation, or not vac- Vacation Blackout. I've never known anyone to be on Location Blackout for a game. I think it would... If, I mean, I'll, 
I can't completely promise I'll not look into Boston. Ah. But the, it's like I didn't know much about uh, Washington, mm. really. It wasn't anywhere on my radar of like places I'd like to travel, so I never looked into it. And sort of finding things and then going back and going, oh, is this real? Is this a real thing or is this like exclusive to the game? That was interesting for me. Mm. And I think I will probably do the same for four and Boston because mm. people have already been mentioning like landmarks. So I'd, I'd rather see sort of the in-game version and then the actual version. No, no, that's, that's actually a good reason there. I'm actually kind of tempted to do something similar. It's like a discovery thing. <laughs> exactly. Twitter as uh, at HC underscore Jones and then I am I'm all over the, the Starbound and Chucklefish Twitter accounts and Facebook and all of that I love those dear hearts and gentle people who live in my hometown because those My happy heart keeps laughing like a clown. Like a clown, I love those dear hearts and gentle people who live and love in my hometown. In my hometown, those dear hearts and gentle people who live in my. Thanks for listening to my favourite game. Next week, as previously mentioned, Sarah Wellick on Persona 3. Until next week, bye-bye.